subject that we're looking at today. Maybe for some of you, it's familiar. Maybe for some of you, you're like, I I think I know what he's going to talk about today. Um, This topic is going to be crucial for the rest of your lives. Uh, Something that I have seen so many people struggle with is the reality of the security of their salvation. And I believe that this is one of the key elements to the Christian walk, to a successful and a victorious Christian walk. Because if you today claim to be a Christian, but you are unsettled about your eternal destiny, whether you will be in heaven with God or in hell away from God forever, then you are not going to be able to advance the gospel or advance the kingdom. Uh, You're going to be too set back by that own internal struggle. You see, some people get so consumed with, uh, with the reality of trying to conquer sin and then the condemnation that comes with that, that they never advance in their walks. Well, I believe that this foundation for you guys to have today is going to be crucial. And so uh, the discussion as we, as we get into this today, we're going to answer some of those questions of maybe that you've had before. Questions like, can someone lose their salvation? Or can someone walk away from their salvation? Or can someone forfeit their salvation? I mean, you've heard of people that, uh, that claim to have been a Christian at one time, and now they say that they fell out of their faith or they, they lost their faith. Where did it go? Well, we're going to talk about some of those things. Can someone be a child of God at one point and then not be his child at a different point? Can someone be born again and then be unborn again? Can someone be a new creation in Christ and then all of a sudden now become not that? Uh, Well, we're going to look at that today. These are questions that unfortunately in the Christian circle have quite a bit of debate behind them. However, as we look at what the Bible tells us, which is our authority uh, for the true and genuine follower of Christ, these answers are going to become quite clear. And so my hope today is, is twofold, okay? If you are in this room and you are, in an un, you are an unbeliever, and that just means simply that you have not uh, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, that you have not received that gift of salvation for yourself, well, then I hope by the end of today that you would do that and you would become eternally secure in him. And now I think for a majority of us, for the believer, that you would find your confidence and assurance in what God has spoken us to his, in his word regarding our salvation. We're going to see today that our salvation in Christ, if it is genuine, is completely and utterly secure. And so um, we're going to look at the, the premise uh, and the basis that once someone is genuinely saved, they are always saved. Always. Never to be lost. We're going to see that this, that Uh, we're going to see it in three different ways, basically. If you want to look through your pamphlet that you have, uh, these nicely printed out pamphlets, you're going to see three sections with then three different scriptures for each section. And so what I want to explore with you today is that if someone could lose, forfeit, walk away from their salvation, then that would mean that every person that is represented in the Godhead, the Trinity, would have to utterly fail. Uh, But we're going to see today that's not possible, and we're going to look at the promises of God and our security of salvation. I I want you to think about it for a moment, because this is something that we struggle with. This is something that if you have not struggled with yet, you will at some point in your life. 
Are you really saved? Can you lose your salvation? But think about it from a relationship standpoint, right? Our God is a God of relationship, is he not? And so think about the relationship between a father and a child. Can you, can you do something that your parents will no longer love you? It's a good question. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, my, you know, I'm, I have to live outside now in the doghouse. No, uh, n- no, right? It, it, it doesn't matter how much. Now, there might be separation that happens, right? When you get older, there might be a, a circumstance or situation that you sin against your parents in a way and you disobey them, that there has to be separation. But the love uh, of, a, of a genuine mother and father uh, cannot be broken in that way or between a husband and a bride. You see, for, for us, we have a relationship with God and God sees to it that that relationship is kept, okay? Now, this is important to know. It's a very important disclaimer. The things that we're gonna talk about today and the eternal security of the believer is specifically only for the believer, Now, this is important because think about those people, maybe that you know, that you saw them at one time in church, or you saw them at one time seemingly having a relationship with God, but now they're not. Well, what's, how do you reconcile that? Well, sometimes they are backslidden believers. Sometimes they are that prodigal son that that will eventually return home. The Bible even tells us that there are some people that will make it to heaven Barely, meaning that they'll make it there but have nothing to show for it because though they received Christ, they lived a life away from Christ, which is the worst kind of life that you can live. But I want you to note it down. You can note it somewhere even on the, on the front of your page. Um, 1 John 2.17. It's an important verse I want to encourage you to look up later. Uh, 1 John 2.17 describes that some people that are in church with us are with us but not of us. I mean, they're with us. They, you, you might not even be able to discern the difference, but they were actually never of us. And she, you see, what we're talking about today is for the person who truly has received Christ as Savior. Now, 1 John 5.13, that's a very important verse. You can look on the screen. You see, God wants us to know. Everyone look at me today. God wants you to know without a shadow of doubt that you are his child today. He desires his true son or daughter to have absolute confidence that they will be with him forever. Before God wants you to you know, uh, serve him and the purposes and plans that he has for your life, he wants to make sure that you and him are secure and good, knowing that he is never gonna leave you, knowing his promises are secure. 1 John 5.13 says this, these things... I have written to you who, notice, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the Son of God. You see, why is the Bible written for us? It is so that we might know Christ and our salvation in him, that we know that we have eternal life and that we would continue in that relationship. And so guys, this is the goal. Do you see that, that you may know? I want you to walk away out of this room knowing your salvation today, all right? And it is secured in the, in the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and we'll get into our study. God, we love you. We thank you for your salvation. We pray that you would impress your word upon our heart. Lord, that it would just click today. Lord, that no matter what kind of sin that we might 
do, Lord, it's covered on the cross. It's covered in the blood of Jesus. And, and in no way, Lord, does this now give us license to sin or else that would show that we're, we're away from you, that, that that decision was not genuine. And so, Lord, would you confirm these things in our heart today? In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. You know, it's important to realize that, look, what, what, if you are a believer and a true, I'm talking about not that just, oh, okay, I, there's a lot of people that claim they're a Christian. Hey, we're talking to the Christian. We're talking to the son and daughter of God today. That the Bible describes that no matter how much you sin, Jesus says, I've taken care of it. Now, if you take what today, if you take what we're going to learn today as like, wow, I'll never lose my salvation no matter what I do, then there's no point to follow God. Then I'll just sin what I want and the blood of Jesus took care of it. That shows, that heart shows that there is something very wrong in what you claim to be your salvation. And you need to check in with God in, in that moment, okay? So today, uh, you're going to go, you're going to see your, your plan, pamphlet. You can open up to the first page, all right? First page, uh, we're going to look at God the Father and the promises that we have from Scripture uh, by Him, okay? And as we go through this, you're going to see the Scriptures. So the first one is Philippians 1.6, Okay? Uh, we're going to look at God the Father today. Uh, Philippians 1.6. Now, do you see that line right next to it? That's where you're going to write the title for this verse. So with each of these persons of the Godhead, we're going to look at three scriptures and three promises. And so basically Philippians 1.6, right to the right of that, you'll put completely, or sorry, to the, yes, completely. And then uh, bottom, do you see that how there's still a few lines there? That's when you can put notes regarding this verse. And so Philippians 1.6 says, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, notice, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is Paul talking. And Paul was very confident of this fact for the believers in Philippi. You can note it down, the word confident. It means to be convinced and persuaded, that Paul was convinced and persuaded that for a believer, someone that God had began working in their life, that he was going to see them through, that he was confident of this completion. You can write the, uh, something in your notes that this is a fact, okay? Here's a, here's a free fact for you guys. If God begins something, he is sure to finish it. Did you guys hear me? If God begins something, he is sure to finish it. And so if God has begun working in your life and his Holy Spirit has entered your life and God begins to change you and mold you into the person that he desires you to become, he will never stop that work. Now you can inhibit that work. You can say, God, I don't want you to do that. And you can live a miserable, fruitless Christian life and get to heaven, but have no reward. You can choose that. But God says, I will keep pursuing you. God says, I will complete that. That word complete, it means to bring to a whole, to a finish. It means to have a goal in mind and to accomplish it. God says, it is not based upon you. It is based upon my work in you. Now, as a believer, again, you have that choice. But God says, I will keep doing that until the day that you breathe your last breath. I will pursue you. I will seek to complete it. And, and if Paul had this confidence, then you and I, as believers, we can have this same confidence. We should be convinced of this. Okay, so that was the, that was the first promise that we're going to look at. The second one is John 10. 
27 through 30. And the title of this one is that we are in his hands, that God will save us completely. And the, and the reality is, is that we're in his hands. Our salvation is not in our own. It is in his. You guys understanding this so far? See the process of what we're doing? You guys see that you see John 10 in your, in your little, on your paper? Okay, John 10, verse 27 says this. You can look on this screen. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. I want you to write in your notes under this point that you and I are doubly covered. Okay, we are double covered. Why? Everyone put your hand out like this. Put your hand out, okay? Uh, imagine you're, you're in this hand and this is Jesus's hand. The, the, the picture that this verse gives us is not only our, is our salvation and who we are in the hand of Jesus, which is the name above every other name, the most powerful name, in all of creation, but God says, God the Father says, and under, and under Jesus' hand, I got you too. You are in my hands. And God says, no one, notice, look at the words in red, no one, everyone say no one. No, no one is able to snatch you out of my Father's hand. Now, can you think of anyone that is not in the realm of no one? Exactly. So think about it. No one. Does that, ex does, that, does that exclude anyone? No, it is no one. Guess what the words in Greek, no one, guess what that means? It means no one. It means not even you. It doesn't say no one is able to snatch you out of my father's hand unless you want to, unless you want to leave. God says, I got you. God says, your salvation is predicated upon me and me keeping. You put your faith and trust in me and that salvation, you shall never perish. Look at the verse again. It says, I give them eternal life and they shall never, never perish. So the one to whom God gives salvation, God says, I will keep them in my hand. The word perish, it means to be separated. Do you see where it says never perish? Do you see that? That's a, that's a double negative. And it's a double negative for the reason of Jesus is reinforcing the fact that you will never perish when God has given you eternal life. Do you see that word snatch? It means to take and gain control over. No one is able to come and take away our salvation. And again, it doesn't mean that you're able to. No one includes you, okay? The third promise that I want to show you regarding the Father's hand in our salvation is an awesome one. It is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. And this scripture shows us that our salvation is kept by him. Do you guys remember the last song that we sung in worship today? It was the song Living Hope, that he is our living hope. The idea is that our hope is not dead. Our hope is Jesus, who is very much alive in heaven, assuring that you and I will get there. And the Bible, and that song comes out of this very scripture, the fact that you and I are kept by God. Look in the at the screens. 1 Peter 1 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a 
living hope. Everyone say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then notice this, notice the words that are emboldened, to an inheritance, our salvation, incorruptible and undefiled, that's not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want, to, I want to point out to you six descriptions in just this one verse. I want you to write them down. The first one is that our inheritance is incorruptible. Anyone know what the word incorruptible means? Yeah. Yeah, it, it will last forever. It's imperishable. It doesn't expire. You guys ever buy something that expired? It's the worst thing when your mom goes to the grocery store and the next day the, the grapes already have mold on them. You're like, what the heck? Right? And, and so you want to go return them. Why? Because produce, things in our world, don't last forever. But remember, our salvation is not of this world. It is in heaven. And the, even Jesus said that in heaven, no one can come and, and no, no thieves are allowed into heaven to steal your salvation or your rewards. No, no moth or, or rust can destroy that it is incorruptible. There, there's no returns on salvation. The second thing is that it's undefiled. This means that it's untainted. It can't be touched. For example, some of you, uh, maybe you have an inheritance from your grandfather. Maybe you don't even know about it. I know for me, my, my grandfather, my mom's dad passed when he was, uh, when I was nine. And so, uh, and he left me behind some money. Not a, not a ton, but, uh, but an inheritance. And, but I couldn't touch that money until I was 18. It was, it was undefiled until that moment. It, it, it was untouched that, that I couldn't take it out my parents couldn't take it out if they wanted to, that it was specifically under my name for when I turned a certain age. It was, it was undefiled until that moment. And then I could use it for you know, certain purposes. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's that word, undefiled. It can't be touched. The third thing you can note down is that it's unfading. Remember, all these words are right here describing our living hope in Jesus, unfading. Don't you hate when things fade? Oh, I hate that. You know when you get a new shirt, and you're like, oh, this is, this is like my favorite shirt. It fits me perfectly. It like, it, it, it's just great. And like even the arms, the sleeves, you know when you buy shirts and the sleeves are too short, at least guys' experiences, I don't like that, right? Or sometimes I buy a shirt and I'm like, okay, it fits me down here, but then like, but then I, I'm like this up, up here, right? And, and then so, and, and so it's a perfect shirt. And then you're like, okay, I'm gonna put it in the wash. Okay, mom, be careful with this. And then it comes out and it's like, it looks like 10 years old. That's the worst when things fade. But, but the Bible says that it doesn't lose quality or beauty, that our salvation is unfading. The next word, fourth word, is that it is reserved. It's protected and watched. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have ever been to a nice restaurant, uh, but having a reservation is like the greatest thing ever. The worst thing is when you have a reservation and you get there and you still have to wait. And then you're like, wait, what's the point of the reservation? I put in the reservation so that you'd reserve the table, right? You're not gonna get to heaven and like, oh, sorry, we gave up your salvation to someone else. It's not gonna be like that. It's gonna, it is reserved for you. It is protected and watched after by God himself. The Bible says that your salvation is so secure in him that it's as if you, your position, that you're already there. To check out Colossians 3. It's kind of a mind blower. It's one that will make you be like, I don't understand this. The Bible says that you and I are sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus now. 
It is the idea that our position with God is, is eternal, that we, are, that we are protected in him. The fifth thing, notice, is kept, that we are kept by the power of God. It's very similar to reserve, that, that notice we are kept not by our own power, but God's power. And who is po- more powerful than God? No one, no one. And the sixth thing is that it is ready, meaning it's prepared, that you're not gonna have to wait in some purgatory state, that when, when you die, your salvation is, is there for you. Think about, guys, the most famous verse in the Bible. What is it? John 3.16, most of us know know it by heart, but think about what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not, what? Should not, meaning you're not going to, that if you believe in Jesus and you've put your faith and trust in him, the Bible says that you will not experience life away from God, but you will have everlasting life. 1 Corinthians 1.8, you can note it down. The Bible says here that God will confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.8 says that, the, the Bible there says that God will confirm us to the end. That word confirm, it means to establish and secure without conditions. It's an awesome thing. And on and on it goes. We could, we could stay and just, I could just keep throwing verses up there just regarding the promises that the Father gives us. You know, God the Father says that he will finish that work that he begins in us. He says that no one will be able to take us away from him and that he says that he will keep us until the last day. Okay, so that's God the Father. Now you can flip your, your page over and we're gonna look at the promises in scripture from, from Jesus. You guys tracking so far? Anyone super lost? If you are, just make sure to turn to, to this page, all right? We're gonna look at three more scriptures Three more promises that we find in the Bible. And this is important. I want you to, to really even, you know, make these, these notes nice. This is, not, this is not homework for you to turn into me at the end of, right, our, our time together. This is for you to keep. And that's why we'll look at that first thing that we'll have you guys sign at the end. So now, God the Son, Jesus Christ. We're gonna look at three promises from him. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, and it's the promise and the fact that, that he is the author and what? Finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, two says that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This means that, that he is the starter and the ender. Meaning that the Bible says clearly that no one comes to the Father except if the Father draws him and Jesus' work in our life. He is the initiator. The Bible says in 1 John that he, we love him because he first loved us. He's that initiator. He takes the first step towards us. And of course, we respond. But God says, when you respond and you respond in faith, God says, I will not just be the author of your salvation and your faith, but I will be the finisher. Isn't it good news that faith isn't gonna last forever? You know that? That when we get to heaven, faith is done away with. We don't need faith. We'll see him face to face. And God says, I will be the finisher of your faith. You see, Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. He just doesn't. It's not in the nature of who God is. 
I want you to think about that word author as, as, as someone who's authored a book. It's, it's a person who founds and establishes something. That God is the originator and the initiator of your salvation, of your faith, and God says, I will see you through. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, you can note it down, says that Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Isn't that pretty cool? He is the captain of our salvation, and, and he's going to get us home. And he's the finisher. He's one who completes it. Jesus always finishes what he starts, just like the Father. Remember, they are one. That they are not two completely different separate persons. There is unity within the Godhead. There is one God, and he's represented to us in three persons. Now, the second thing, I want you to actually now open your Bibles. I want you to turn to Romans 8. This is too important of a passage for me just to throw it up on the screen. Romans chapter 8 is probably one of the most encouraging chapters that, that, that talk to us about the inseparable nature of our relationship with God. And Paul describes it so eloquently, so well, that I want you guys to read it, and we're going to look at it. You guys good? It's clicking? All right, check out Romans 8. If you've never read the book of Romans, oh my gosh, you need to read it right now, except not right now, just a little bit, Romans 8, and then read the rest later. But Romans 8, starting, and we're going to read quite a little bit. We're going to read starting in verse 29, and we're going to read down to the end of the chapter because it is so um, prevalent for this topic that we're looking at today, okay? If you're there, say word. word. All right, Romans 8, starting in verse 29, the Bible says this, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Do you see that word glorified? Notice that word is past tense. That God says, I've called someone, they've responded. I've, I've chosen them based upon their choice in me. I've justified them, I've, uh, and, and I've also glorified them. That word glorified is speaking about something future, yet the word that he uses is past tense. Everyone look in your Bibles. Look at verse 30, the end, that last word glorified. Glorified, past tense. But you and I, were not yet glorified. Glorification of our body comes when we enter into eternity. That's not yet. But in God's mind, in God's incredible knowledge, God says, it's as already as good as done, that you are already glorified in me, that though that is future, to God it is past. In verse 31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And then notice verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no one. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword 
As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And the verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors, overcomers through him who loved us. And then Paul says, for I am persuaded. It means I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, including you, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Praise God, right? Praise God that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. If you have at one time put your faith in Jesus There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus. Now, yes, when when a believer sins, there is a relationship that is separated for a time. And the Bible says that God has given us the tool of confession and repentance to be able to restore that relationship. But it's not going to be something where, where if you're a genuine believer and, and and you sin against God, that he says, I'm done with you. It's not going to happen. Think about what happens at salvation, that the Holy Spirit enters you. Does that mean someone could sin so much that the Holy Spirit says, I'm out? No. We are inseparable from the love of Christ. This is an awesome thing. That word separate, it means to divide. Nothing can come in between. And Jesus will assure this. Now, the last scripture that we'll look at in this section for Jesus, the Son of God, is that he has saved us all the way. All the way. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says this. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. Notice that word uttermost. That's our key word here. Those who come to God through him. And what's the reason? Why is he able to save them all the way or to the uttermost? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. I want you to note down that that word uttermost, it means entirely. It means completely and not just part of the way. It's not just, oh yeah, sorry, I, I, I wasn't able, I, you were safe for a little bit on earth, but then, you know, you, you kind of sinned too much and you messed up and uh, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do it. No, it is all the way. Why? Because Jesus right now is at the right hand of God. We looked at it last week when we looked at John 17 and that, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, that he is represented as our high priest in heaven. That when Satan, the Bible describes as an accuser, meaning he accuses us, and and did you know that Satan actually enters heaven even now? Yes, he was cast down from his position, but the Bible says, think about about the book of Job, think about the book of Revelation, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, talks about how the accuser of the brethren Satan, that he, that he comes before God and he'll point fingers and say, look at, look at this person. And that's when Jesus, who is described in scripture in 1 John 2, 1 as our advocate, meaning he stand, though we have an accuser, Jesus says, no, that one is mine. And that is an amazing truth, guys. This is, this is so crucial to your walks with God that you get this, that you understand because if this is an area that is shaky for you, then this is an area that, that Satan is gonna continue to discourage you in. That for your own flesh, that you're gonna, rather than advancing in the purposes and plans of God for your life, you're gonna be too stuck on this issue that God says, it's settled. You've put your faith in me. You've trusted me. Now follow me. 
and you leave your salvation, I, I, I have it handled. And let's keep walking together. And on and on it goes. Again, we could look at so many verses. Jesus assures us that he is the author and finisher of our faith. He tells us that nothing can separate us from his love and, and that he is more than able and always for us to keep our salvation. Okay, so who's, who's left? We've looked at God the Father. We've looked at God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, all right? And that is a, the third and final a person of the, the Godhead, the Trinity that we're gonna look at. And for me, uh, these verses that we're gonna look at are these the ones that, that seal the deal for me? And quite literally, because one of our words is going to be that, that he seals us, all right? So this one is, to me, this is the most encouraging uh, portion of our, of our time today. These are verses that I go back to because I have similar thoughts. I, I know all of us have them. Of Man, you know, you, you, you feel self-condemned at times. You feel, man, am I, did I really mean that confession? You know, I know I was baptized, but... You know, did I just do it? And, and you begin to play in your mind, and it's not good. If you want to follow Jesus, then don't think about the past. Go forward in the future. We, have a, we worship a forward-moving God. And so the first thing we're going to look at under the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. This is the scripture that tells us that you and I were bought. I know it sounds weird. But you were bought by God, and he bought you with the blood of Jesus. And this scripture tells us this. Paul questions the Corinthians because of the way that they were living. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So where is the Holy Spirit? In the believer, whom you have from God. And notice the words that are emboldened. You are not your own. You're not. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Notice the emphasis again. He says, which are God's? Your body, your soul is the property of God Almighty. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how uh, well you take care of your things. Uh, maybe your mom gets on you that, you know, there's something important that you have. You don't take care of it. Um, you know, maybe you leave. I don't know. I don't know. You guys know. I, I can't think of an illustration right now. What was that? Yeah, clothes on the floor. Guess you don't care about your clothes. Dirty bedroom. But guess what? God, he takes good care of his things. He doesn't lose anything. Have you guys ever lost anything before? Oh, so I remember when I was your guys' age, the amount of things that, I mean, I still lose things sometimes now, but I just lost so many things. You guys ever lose a jacket? I remember, you know, I was in this junior high ministry. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, we were in the building right over there. But I remember, you know, my parents had to buy me so many Bibles because I would, you know, obviously I wasn't, in, for me in junior high, I wasn't too concerned with the Bible. I was concerned about other things. Hopefully you're different than me. Uh, but nonetheless, I remember my, my parents would buy me a Bible. You know, it, I remember my, my parents trying to buy me like a cool looking one to think that like, okay, then he'll, he'll take better care of it. I remember I'd always just leave it behind. You know, uh, you know, I remember in school just leaving jackets everywhere and always having to go to the lost and found. Maybe you're similar. Um, but notice, yeah, notice the emphasis. You are God's. And God takes care of his own. And you were bought. You're not your own. And there is no returns. God's not going to return you and say, yeah, I know I said I'd save you and all, but you're nuts. It's just not going to be like that. You were bought. You're his. 
The second thing I want to show you about the Holy Spirit is that you are sealed. You, know, you are not just bought, and, and, and the Holy, but the Holy Spirit sealed you. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And notice there's two verses, both found in Ephesians here. So first we'll look at chapter 1. Chapter 1, it says, in, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you having, also having believed. Notice, so see there, there's a trust right? Look at the very first part. In him, you've trusted, you've believed, and so you're saved. And so the result is that you were sealed. Look, look to your neighbor and say sealed. sealed. Now to your other neighbor and say sealed. sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, notice possession, God's possession, to the praise of his Glory. Now, do you see that word sealed? This, it's important. Um, this, this word sealed, it means to be secured as a sign of ownership. You see, back then, uh, they would have letters and messengers that would take important letters to different areas of the kingdom, to different area, uh, other countries, and they would have, a, and kings would have a certain seal. And they would seal that with wax. And that letter would then be sealed for whom it was going to. And the person would know uh, that received the letter from the king if it had been tampered with by if the seal was broken. That there was this, there was this signature from the king and saying, I, you know, you can't trust the letter unless it is sealed with the king's signet, unless the, the wax is there. Think about the word sealed as, as engagement ring, okay, where you know, someone who proposes to a woman and then gives them a ring, it is a promise. It is a promise saying, I will marry you at a future date. It is a promise saying, you know, not of ownership in that way, but of, hey, yeah, that'd be weird, but of, of hey, this is a promise. And you see, God has given us the Holy Spirit as his engagement ring in a sense, saying, I will come for you. I will marry you. You see, the Holy Spirit, I want you to write down, is the proof of promise. That is what it means that we are sealed. It's both identification and also protection. God says, I'm going to make sure that you are, you're identified with me, right? And, and, and I will protect you. The Bible says that he'll do this until the redemption of the purchased possession, the deliverance. It's the payment. It's the, it's, the, it's the picture that we have of a prisoner being freed. That yes, we have been redeemed and new creations, but that redemption process is not yet fulfilled. You are not yet with him. And the Bible says that he's given us his Holy Spirit as that promise. Um, one of the best illustrations that I've heard uh, is, is for sealing and, and what this means. Uh, you guys probably don't know, but have you ever heard of registered mail? Anyone know what registered, registered mail is? So basically when something is registered at the post office, uh, it is sealed until delivered and only two persons can open it, okay? Uh, I don't know if you know, you can pay a little bit extra to kind of have insurance on your package to make sure it doesn't get lost, doesn't get open. And, and there's this assurance to it. And only two persons can open it, right? The sender and the recipient. And in our case, the amazing thing that for us, God has bought us, and so he sends us into the world, but he's also the recipient. 
And so he is both the sender and the one who receives it. And so only God can break that seal on our life. And God has vowed to us, I will not break that seal. That until I see you face to face in heaven with me, um, I, I'm, I'm looking after you. You're with me. There's this great seal and assurance that we have in our life. Ephesians 4.30, you can write it down. Um, it says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were sealed for that day of redemption. But I actually want you to look at the first part as well. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not this force. This like, ooh. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is a person. It is God himself. And you and I are able to grieve him. And so, yes, you might say, well, man, I'm just not living the life that God wants me to. I, I think I'm saved, but, you know, maybe I lost it. I don't know. No, you are just living a life that's grieving God. So your sin doesn't say, God doesn't say I'm done with you, but it does hurt him. There, the word grieve, it means to sorrow. And you are, you and I, the Bible says, even in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, you can note it down. It means to, uh, the Bible says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. There's two things that we can do. We can either grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. That word quench, it means to uh, imagine the throwing water upon a fire or a fire extinguisher. That we can, in a sense, almost blow out that flame of God in our life. We can quench it, but it doesn't mean he's gone. It doesn't mean he leaves. And this is important for us to know. The, the third and final thing under the Holy Spirit is that we are guaranteed 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who has also sealed us, there's that word again, and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? Guarantee. guarantee. That word guarantee, it means to, that he puts a deposit down. It's a partial payment to be paid later. Have you guys ever tried to do something like that with your parents? You say, okay, hey, mom, I really want this thing. Um, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and, uh, you know, they, they, they were in debt to their parents in a sense because they, they didn't have enough money, but their parents said, okay, well, you know, you got to put down a deposit um, and then you can pay us back the rest later. But you guys understand the idea of a deposit. It's, hey, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing everything now, but I, this is my promise that I will in the future. You see, this is what God has done with his Holy Spirit. It's a pledge. It's a, it's a down payment. It's God, everyone look at me. It's God telling us, I'm, I'm good for it. I've put my Holy Spirit in you and I will not leave you. Over and over and over again in scripture, God gives us the promise that I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's a promise that you and I need to hang on to. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, the other verse for this says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. He's prepared us. He's made ready. And on and on it goes. We could look at more and more verses that we are told that the Holy Spirit has bought us by the blood of Jesus, that he has sealed us until the day of redemption, and that he is our guarantee that all the promises of God will come true. Guys, this is an area that God does not want you to be unsure in. This is an area that he doesn't want you to be unsettled. He wants you to be confident. But remember, 
These things only apply to those who have put their faith and trust in the work of Christ on the cross, those who have repented from their sin, have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, and truly follow him. For those that not only have believed, but actually received Christ. And you know, think about it for a moment. If you can lose your salvation for someone that believes that, then can you come back to it? Like if you lost it, then could you come back? And then could you lose it again and then come back? Do you see how that, there, there's this back and forth? God doesn't roll like that. That's not what we find in scripture. You see, there's a great a Bible theologian scholar, Charles C. Ryrie. He says this, the normal Christian experience never includes sinlessness for we all stumble in many ways, according to James 3, 2. But this never excuses sin for the Christian will also grow in holiness, but the experience of sin does not forfeit salvation. You guys hear me? The experience of sin does not forfeit salvation. It doesn't. It, it forfeits maybe opportunity. It forfeits something that God was wanting to do. It forfeits blessing. It brings on certain discipline. God disciplines those he loves, the Bible says. But guys, it is an eternal gift, right? The salvation you have is eternal, meaning it's eternal, meaning it's everlasting. It's not something that can be temporary. You see, ultimately salvation is a work of God and not of man. If salvation was obtained by works, like for someone who believes that they can get to God and get to heaven by works, by them being a good person, then to me, it makes sense that you could lose it. Because if you can gain it by what you do, then you can lose it by what you don't do, right? But think about the way to salvation. It is not by works. It is, it is our salvation rests fully upon the power and faithfulness of God and not on man's ability. It rests fully upon the grace and the promises and the work of God and the genuine believer, you can be assured of the security of your salvation. Make sense? This is so important. Remember the verse that we started out with, right? First John 5, 13. Why do we have the Bible? Many reasons, but John would say that these things that he wrote to those who believe, it's so that you may know. Meaning that there are some people that believe that they might not realize and know that their salvation is secured in him. And so what I want you guys to do today is to examine, but not question. You guys hear me? I want you to examine your life, but not question. Meaning uh, 2 Corinthians 13, five says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? And so today, I want you to just take a moment, even close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. The Bible says that we're to examine our lives. Okay, is Jesus Christ in me? Okay, think about it. Do you, if God was in you, do you think you would know? Yeah, you'll know. And so if, you're, if you have a, a hesitancy right now of like, man, I don't know if I've really ever received this. Now, what I don't want you to do and what I don't want is for you to question your salvation. Meaning if you have in the past, like for me, I believe when I was five, that happened. Now later I needed to confirm that calling on my life. But if you've genuinely prayed that prayer and you've, you've received Christ as your Lord and God has been working in your life. Now, if you've done that and you see no change, 
like you're the same exact person you were before, then, then that, yeah, you might, you might wanna think, examine your life, right? Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? You know, there's some people that I, you can open your eyes. There's some people that I talk to and, or I've seen before that, you know, there's certain altar calls or opportunity to receive the gospel and they, and they just keep coming up. I remember there was a guy in, in, the, in the main sanctuary that I saw and, and I and saw him physically go up three or four times. Like, wait, what are you doing? And, and he just didn't realize that, no, this is a one-time thing. Now, repentance and confession, right, for the believer, when we sin, we don't need to get saved again. The Holy Spirit's already in you. You just need to make things right with God. You need to confess and say, God, I, I, Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness in Jesus. I, just, I want my relationship to be restored with you. Lord, would you forgive me for this sin? But sometimes we can struggle with self-condemnation. But I want to encourage you. Last verse I want to share with you. It's 1 John 3.20. 1 John 3.20 says that, For if our heart condemns us, and I know I've experienced this, and I know many of you have, where you know the truth. You know what the word of God says. You know the promises that we just went over. But you, your emotions are having a difficult time with what you know. And there's this almost disconnect. You say, I know that, but I still struggle. Well, the Bible says this, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So even when you don't feel saved, if you've put your faith and trust in him, he's got you. You're sealed. Make sense? Um, you guys can, you can hit the lights. You know, when there comes that time where you're doubting or questioning your salvation, guys, I want you to use this. Okay, I want you to use this. Look at these promises. This, this is only a guide to be able to get you to this, okay? If you, maybe for some of you, you've experienced what we've talked about here today. This is the only way to help you. Is to, get, is to meditate. The Bible says that we are to meditate upon God's word, not just, oh, I know that verse. No, think about it. So in those moments where you, you feel condemned and you begin to question, you say, am I even saved? Even though you've known in the past that you've done that and you've received Christ and you are his son and his daughter, then that's when in that moment you go to the word. You go back to this and you say, God, I, I don't feel saved, but I know what your word says. I know that you are keeping me. I know that you have sealed me. Lord, remind me, wash me with the water of your word. All right? It's important. And so if you are not saved in here tonight, or tonight, oh my gosh, this morning, um, then you, you, yeah, I'm used to Wednesdays, exactly, so many of you guys, then you need to receive Jesus right now. I don't want anyone walking out of this room knowing that, that if you died, that you're unsettled about where you're gonna go. Because chances are, if you, if you were to die right now and you don't know how to answer that question of whether you'd be in heaven or hell, the chances are you won't be in heaven. Because for the believer, they know. They know what they believe. One thing, there's a difference from questioning, there's a difference from altogether of, of I've never made that decision. And so if you want to make that decision today, I just wanna give you an opportunity, okay? There's no, 
this is, this is only a, a moment that is between you and God. Yes, there's a lot of people in this room. But if you, if you want to make sure tonight, and, or tonight, oh my gosh, keep doing it. If you want to make sure this morning that, that you are his, maybe, maybe for you, there's that question. Maybe you've, you've prayed the prayer before, but there's been no change. So whether it's a recommitment or that, or that brand new, I, I want to receive Jesus for the, really for myself. I want to repent of my sin, turn from my sin. And I want this security. I want this confidence. I want you to just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Lord, we just come before you. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in here, Lord, that if you're speaking to them, I just pray that you would give them the boldness, um, Lord, to even, to even raise their hand now. Lord, that you give them the boldness, Lord, to, to come to you. Lord, those that are uncertain. And so, Lord, I pray that you would draw them, that you would speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you, raise your hand. And we just want to pray for you. If today, you know, that's that decision, for the, whether it's for the first time or that recommitment, I just want you to raise your hand, nice and high. Awesome. Anyone else? Got a couple in the back? All right. Well, whether you rose your hand or not, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, okay? And I want you to pray after me. And, and us as believers, if you are believers, and this is a prayer that you're familiar with, and you can pray along with us, okay? So everyone repeat after me, all right? And if that's you to, to, today, a couple ladies in the back and anyone else, then you just pray this prayer, okay? Say, God, I come before you. I thank you for Jesus. I choose today to follow you to repent of my sin, I turn from it. I confess that I've sinned against you, God. But today I believe on what Jesus has done. That he came and lived a sinless life. That he died upon the cross and he rose again that I may have forgiveness of sins in him. I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I thank you that my salvation is secure in you. That no matter how I feel, or no matter what I do, I will be with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's an awesome thing. That is a reason to clap and rejoice. Um, now, if you, have, if you are a Christian in here and you've made that decision, maybe this today was the first time that it really was real for you. Well, I want you to now have that paper and, and, and there's a, a place for you to sign. Okay, so during this last song of worship, you can, you can stay seated for a moment and then you can, after you sign it, if you feel led to, and only sign it, um, if you are really his, it says, I, like for example, I, Joel Pickett, recognize that once I am saved, I am kept by the Father, inseparable from the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day that I see the Lord face to face. Now, this is just a piece of paper. But for you, the more that you can get this into your heart that you are his, uh, the, the better and more able that God's going to be able to use your life. And so you have a moment between you and God, and you sign that, and you thank him, you praise him, and then we'll worship together. All right.